0: Welcome to That's So Chronic with me, Jess Bryan. For today's Spotlight On episode, I'm chatting to Dr. Hayley Leek to shine a spotlight on the research work that she has been doing in the chronic pain space. a research fellow at the University of South Australia, which essentially means that she is a pain researcher. And I'm not going to lie to you all, I was extremely excited to chat to Haley for a few reasons that we will get to a bit later on in the episode. But one of the reasons is because... Recently I've been a part of a consumer group for the Canterbury Clinical Network where I've been able to be in the room with others who live with chronic pain as well as clinicians from across the health system and we've been connecting to brainstorm and ultimately work together for a goal of helping create a better model of care for pain management in Waitaha Canterbury. This chronic pain work has been really pivotal for me over the last few months and I've managed to drop in Hate. Haley's name a few times throughout the process. So, like I said, I was so excited to chat to her. So, before Haley became a pain researcher, she was working in primary and tertiary care as a physiotherapist. And that got me thinking, what inspired her to move into the chronic pain research
1: space? I think two things. One was that it's challenging when we don't have a really big toolbox of effective treatments, yeah. And as a clinician, you really want to be able to help and to know that you're walking in saying, "This treatment's going to be great." Yeah, uh, there's all this evidence to show that it works, <laughs> but chronic pain, unfortunately, is not like that. It's it's definitely one of those many, many different kinds of conditions where really the Clinician is kind of the let say like cheerleader or coach or guide, but the onus is so much on the person with pain to be doing all of the things yeah. that are helpful for them. And so I found that challenging as a clinician, and wanted to step in the world of research where I could learn more about what can we do as clinicians that can be more helpful. Mm-hmm. That was the first stream, and the second was that I was just really lucky that I live in Adelaide and there's excellent like world-class pain researchers here that could train and guide me. So I've been under the guidance of someone called Laura Mosley who's an excellent human and researcher. And that's been been really great.
0: Haley's research focuses on chronic pain management, pain education, and digital health. And while her research does focus on adults, she has a special interest in adolescence. I find
1: her work really interesting, especially her PhD topic. So the topic of my research had to do with education. Okay. So it was about how we learn about the science of pain. So we've got a Um, some evidence more in the adult world that would tell us that if people with who are experiencing pain chronic pain particularly learn about how pain works they're often they often tend to do better in their recovery Mm -hmm. than those in these trials where they don't have that chance to learn about how pain works and I thought that was really interesting and wanted to understand more about it and try to see if we could adapt it for teenagers so that's what search was and yeah, that, that kind of concept of learning how pain works, like how could that even be helpful? Like what is that? what does that even mean? But I think a lot of our assumptions about how acute pain works, like if you fall over and mm. sprain your ankle, is very different to how chronic pain works. And it's not like very intuitive to know that. So it does require a bit of like thinking differently to get your head around it.
0: Yeah, and it feels like what we learn about pain is kind of – I know it's a bit different in Australia but we in New Zealand have like pharmaceutical advertising Mm. and I was thinking about it the other day of how like all the images of pain are like bright red and you know the neurofin needs to get to this part of the body and it's so like danger danger danger
1: yeah yeah Yeah, that's it and it's, it's a challenge for us when we're trying to create, like, say, like a flyer to say, come join our research study. Um, yeah. And we can't think of an image. Like, what image do we put on there? Because we don't want to put someone who's, like, yeah, bending forward with a sore back and is red everywhere. Um, but that's really commonly what, like, yeah, drug companies and anyone will. Because it makes you, it's, like, fear-inducing. Yeah, Which is hard because a lot of our treatments, we're trying to reduce the threat of pain and make things more safe than dangerous and so that's it's really challenging.
0: You mentioned that you were really interested especially with chronic pain and young people as well I feel like there's a conception out there or a misconception that people think chronic pain like oh I've got a bad back that happens when you're super old but that's not the case is it? No
1: no and I think it's really sad that we um only think that because it means that when a young person has chronic pain which definitely happens that it's it's hard for them to be believed by the people around them that their friends don't get it the teachers don't get it yeah and that is so (laughs) invalidating to have people not hear and believe you and i think that can make it worse and it can take getting a diagnosis it it takes a long time and getting the Best treatment for you takes a long time, which is disappointing because we know that if you treat it earlier, that might mean there's a better chance of getting better. And so I'm I'm really keen to try to help society undo that. But I think that's really tied to this idea that like our bodies become more fragile as we get older. Mm. Therefore, Mm. if you've got a fragile body, like a crooked back or something, then you must have pain. And young people don't have that. So I think that relate that kind of idea that it's you know because your body i don't know we see wrinkles on the outside of our body and we think oh that person must be therefore having to have to have pain and young people don't get it
0: and i think chronic pain can be so isolating and then with society's expectations as well then it just yeah
1: yeah not when good. like and when you can't see it <laughs> i think mean, that's so frustrating right you can't mm-hmm. you can't see it so you just make assumptions that someone must be fine because they don't have a cast and i think teenage years especially it's such an important social development time and if during that time you're not having that validation of people believing what's happening and you're having to fight for that meanwhile you're also trying to like develop your relationships and go to school and like manage that when you can't actually go to school every day like that sucks
0: yeah definitely Something that Haley has been working on is the Chronic Pain Project. It's an incredible resource that helps break down what chronic pain even is in easily digestible Instagram posts. Their bio says it's chronic pain information infused with science, co-designed by young people with chronic pain and facilitated by pain researchers. I
1: know that I've done a lot of learning from following along, so I was curious to find out more. This project... Is a partnership between a few of us at university pain researchers who are who want to help um, others learn about pain, and also this excellent group of young adolescents in South Australia, actually yeah. where I live, who came together and we did a bunch of different workshops where with this idea of let's create a, a resource on social media where other people can learn about pain, people your age who might have pain, but also your friends and family and everybody else. Yeah. So that it'll be a bit easier and really not just, you know, what is pain and how many people get it, but like the science of how it works. Like how come you can't see that I have pain or how does the nervous system get more sensitive? They did such a good job. When we first started it, I said they could use any social media platform and we had to pick one and I was really nervous actually that they were going to pick TikTok (laughs) because it was actually really hard to make content for but they they chose Instagram as a place that they like use the most and it's been yeah we've had really good feedback from it. The link will be in the show
0: notes but if you're interested you can find them on Instagram at chronic underscore pain underscore project. Now you might recognize Hayley from something else. Winner of Australian Survivor Brains vs Brawn, Hayley. And you might not know this about me, but I am a big fan of Survivor Australia. Like, we are talking, my friend group, we've got a group chat all about it. (laughs) And it was season six, Brains vs Brawn, when I was first introduced to Hayley. So naturally, I had to talk about Survivor.
1: You probably get asked this all the time. No, like, I'm a, I'm a tragic Survivor fan. Like Since I was like 10, I've been watching the game. I never thought I'd play it.
0: I found it so amazing how she was able to incorporate her knowledge and pain research
1: to play the game. I think that the pain science and pain research helped in two ways. And the first one's a bit less known, and that would be that it helped me get on the show. Oh. <laughs> they have like, like 10,000 applicants or more every year. And they can only pick 24 people. And in my, I never thought I'd apply, but I was researching pain and I couldn't help but think that there was such a similarity between when like pain is all about protection. So it is, if we want to manipulate pain, so if we want to make it worse, we try to make things really threatening. And Mm -hmm. if we try to make, if we want to make pain better, we try to make things more safe. And that's in all aspects of like, how much stability you feel in your body, what you can see in your environment, your your friendships and family, everything. And I thought, wow, that's so similar to how you might play Survivor. Because if you're playing Survivor, I'm trying to make everyone else really threatening and me seem really safe and and not dangerous. I'm trying to manipulate my threat level. Yeah. And that's what we do with pain research. We're manipulating threat level. I thought, oh, that's fun. And I made an application video all around that. Cool. It worked. (laughs) And then once I got on the game, I really didn't know if any of the research or knowledge I had would have benefit at all. I don't have a lived experience of chronic pain, um, so all of my personal experiences have to do with acute pain. And in the game, you have to do some challenges that are really painful and go for quite a yeah. long time. <laughs> and the biggest one for me was the final challenge where there's three people left and you walk in and... All I can see is that they're clearly trying to create me in a like a danger zone. They've put yeah. fire everywhere, animal dead animal carcasses everywhere. There's like a contraption that looks like a torture chamber. I know they've just built it so it's not rusty, but they've made it look rusty so it's not making me think it's not stable. Mm. It lowers down and it makes this creaking noise like it's about to break even though I know it shouldn't, but it makes that noise. They're painted where my feet stand on these tiny little pegs. They're painted it red so it looks like blood. Like I'm like, I know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> and so I tried to work against that and tried to keep reiterating to myself, Right, right, I'm standing here for seven hours and this is really painful, but I believe that it's safe. <clears throat> like I understand how the body works. I know that if I stood here for 10 hours, I could step off this. I'm going to have a sore foot for like half an hour an hour um I might have some of my skin worn down maybe a little blister but my muscles are safe my bones are safe my ligaments yeah. are safe I know the rest of my body is safe so even though I have pain I know that this is not dangerous and that helped me stay there for longer
0: yeah and it was absolutely incredible what you did <laughs> it worked and it went. Yay! yeah <laughs> This season of Survivor aired in Australia in 2021, when I was a few years into my own chronic pain journey. For me, it all started in early 2018, when I was working in Sydney, and the pain just got so much that I was struggling to perform my show. It's been a bit of a roller coaster ride ever since then, trying different medications and ways to get on top of the pain. But something that I realised, especially in 2021, was that chronic pain had never really been explained to me. And it was during Haley's season of Survivor and the snippets of knowledge that she shared on the show that shaped a lot of my understanding of chronic pain. So I needed to say thank you. Wow, that's awesome. That's so good. (laughs) And all of this got me thinking about the potential impact a commercial show like Survivor could have on society's understanding of pain. Do you think that being able to share a little bit about your research and your background with pain and chronic pain on a commercial show like survivor that that does have the benefit to sort of change or start a conversation
1: I think that that's it like it, I don't think it's going to necessarily change someone's experience but I do hope yeah. that it starts a conversation or I, I worry sometimes that if someone has chronic pain and they're you know provided with this new idea like you just said like the brain has this kind of role of the nervous system mm. sensitive and and um, it is so challenging for that to not come across as it's all in your head, which is obviously yeah. not like made up. And it, I always feel like if, if there's only one clinician saying that, no one's ever said that before, then it's kind of like, oh, who's this voodoo person? Maybe I don't believe them. Mm-hmm. But if you see it somewhere else, like if you're seeing it on primetime TV, maybe that's a chance to sit back and say, oh, maybe, maybe I'll learn a bit more about that and just see if that does fit with my experience and just be a, bit, a little bit more open to that conversation. Yeah.
0: I asked Hayley if there was anything she wished the general public knew about pain.
1: Mm. I think there's a there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um I think um when I chat to people, they don't like and I just say what do you think chronic pain means? Sometimes they'll say oh well chronic means it's really bad. So they think oh. that word chronic must mean like it's severe like it's a 10 out of 10 as opposed to like a 2 out of 10 which is like interesting, that, right? Like, yeah. Cause I think chronic, like it's going to be a really long time. Yeah. And so, or yeah, other people say, Oh, chronic means permanent, like forever, mm. which is also like neither of those two things are right. Like it just yeah. means three months or more. <laughs> like it's, and it's a bit, it's annoying. I think that we've had to create some like arbitrary timeline, like three months doesn't necessarily mean for every person yeah. something's happened, but, um, we have to create some sort of timeline. So, yeah, I'd, I'd like people to know that chronic pain doesn't mean permanent. Like for some people, yeah. they have pain that has not ever gone away. But some people have chronic pain and that pain does go away or goes away for periods of time. I think from what I've seen, the idea that there is hope is really, really important and just understanding exactly like that—that that it is possible for things to get better. Yeah. And that can't you know you can't say that everyone's going to be able to live without it, but certainly certainly, I like the idea that you don't have to wait for pain to get better before other things in your life get better so mm. if if it's that you haven't been able to function the way you used to, like go to school as much or walk or run or do whatever your movement based thing is as much, you don't have to wait for pain to go away completely or just get better before you can start doing those things and sometimes it's doing yeah. those things that will make pain a little bit better or certainly will make your life better
0: yeah I think we definitely live with the mentality of like oh this will be better when this gets better or I'll be able to do that when this goes away or when this thing mm. happens definitely living in that sort of frame of mind I suppose yeah
1: and certainly with pain yeah. like we've spent our whole life learning this belief that like oh pain must mean that there is something seriously wrong and I should listen to it by not yeah. doing anything thing that will will evoke the pain and that's what's so hard about chronic pain (laughs) is that it's not always that. like it's so hard it's like who do I follow in my body if I'm not following pain (laughs) like I have to believe in my health professionals or what I've learned or something else to guide me because I think a a lot of the time it's okay to do things even if they are painful and it doesn't mean that there's underlying damage that will get worse by doing that.
0: Yeah. Is the terminology that we use important? Because I've noticed a bit of a shift here in Christchurch, where I'm mm-hmm. based, to persistent pain as opposed to chronic pain. Have you have any experience in that? Yeah.
1: So the lab that I work in, we, we have done a shift as well. Like there was a shift here towards persistent. And I think now there's a bit of a mix of people using both persistent mm-hmm. and chronic. I think it, will depend on what the the group um that you're trying to talk to thinks or believes and that can continue to change yeah like like I spoke to our consumer group recently and we were looking at like recruitment material and I was like oh would you sign up for this study and they're like I don't know if I would fit into chronic pain like do I have that Ah. and they all would but um they didn't like resonate with that word oh interesting Mm, but then I'm not sure about persistent we didn't ask about that what do you what do you yeah how is your has your take on those two words and preferences yeah
0: I resonate with chronic pain but yeah persistent has been a new thing that's sort of come into the group that I've been working with but I don't necessarily think of it as persistent like it's so hard to describe but I don't persistent to me kind of feels like It's a bit more intense and it's a bit more like knocking on the door every day. And I do experience pain every day. But for me, sometimes it might just be like discomfort Mm. as opposed to like raging red, you know, danger, pain. Yeah.
1: And some people can have recurrent pain, and that would still fit into chronic pain. Yeah, like, but it doesn't persist all the time. Yeah, it's interesting.
0: Language is really cool. Mm. I, yeah, it's fascinating.
1: Yeah, and I think I think the challenge is that I think on it, like you know, working clinically, like really, it's a individual conversation with the person that yeah. you're talking to. Because I don't think we'll find words that fit everyone across all ages and experiences. But yeah. I think it is good that we're talking about I think that what, the last 10 years where people are starting to throw out words that are offensive or might yeah. mean different things, this is a good time to reassess language.
0: Yeah, definitely. When looking at the stats from the most recent New Zealand Health Survey, in 2021-2022, there was an estimated 938,000 people over the age of 15 living with chronic pain in New Zealand. That's a prevalence of about 22.6%. painaustralia.org.au states that in Australia in 2020, 3.37 million people were living with chronic pain. That's a lot of people so from a pain researcher point of view Hayley had some
1: advice for anyone out there listening who is experiencing
0: chronic pain themselves I think like
1: importantly and what this podcast does is that is you are not alone in that although you can feel very alone in going through that I think like upskilling yourself by learning some more about that is really really helpful and there's some really trusted places to go to get some good information. I think finding a health professional that you trust that can act as a good coach is really helpful as well to get through it and being open to it, to new ideas. Um, yeah. Like I know a lot of people who would tell me that the idea of anything to do with psychology initially was really off-putting because it really mm. forced that idea that what well, you think this is all in my head. <laughs> yeah. um, but that psychology for so many people has been one of the most useful resources that they've been able to learn skills to manage their pain. Yeah. So yeah, staying really open to that kind of stuff.
0: And just like that, it was time for my final question. Is there anything that you are super excited for in this pain research
1: space that's Mm. coming up? Like in general, I'm really excited because there's been a really big shift from my side of things or from the researchers' side of things to honestly and and, and fully involve people with lived experience in the process of research. Like this is is a really big shift on our end. Like you're not going to get your research funded unless you can show that like I think historically we used to do the research, like think of the idea, run the study, and then once it's all well and done you show it to someone with lived experience and say, do you think this is good? Mm. and like if they say no too late you've already done it all yeah and now that's shifted you, from the very start of even thinking of an idea or asking for research funding to do that before you run any kind of trial involving people with lived experience has been really really crucial and yeah I'm seeing that as a really honest shift and I'm really excited to see where we go now that yeah. that is a big part of it like I hope what we see is that there's Questions that are getting asked that are really in line with people with lived experience want, or like even like the outcomes of what we're looking at as the, for the trial, and and I think embedding people with lived experience will help make sure that we can translate the outcomes of research better as well. So I think it's a good time.
0: Yeah, that is exciting. I like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got this like awesome group of adolescents with lived experience of chronic pain and we meet every month and we talk about research and they're just like i'm learning just like i I think probably more and definitely more from them and they're learning about how research works and i think this is happening in every lab and it's really really good i think we'll create much better outputs
0: if you would like to know more about hayley you can connect with her over on social media at hayley leak but as always there will be a link to everything that we talked about in the show notes thank you so much hayley thank you If you're new to That's So Chronic, thank you so much for listening. Every Tuesday I help share patient stories from around the world and on the final Tuesday of the month we dive a little bit deeper into organisations, people or pieces of content like books and films that are making waves in the chronic illness space. Make sure you press follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen so you never miss an episode. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok, I'm at That's So Chronic and if you or someone you know would like to be featured on an upcoming episode, feel free to send me an email or fill out the Google form in the show notes. Again, thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.